Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante, along with Andrew P. Shea. Andy, we're finally getting over that Penn State big win against Iowa, 31-0 in the whiteout. It's time to shift gears a little bit, start to look forward. We've got Northwestern at Northwestern uh, on Saturday, of course. And we were kind of at a milestone right now. The season is one-third of the way through. And I think it's time to take stock a little bit in where this team is. And I'd like to go back to the start of the season when we talked about the concerns that we had about this team and see if there's still concerns, you know, four games in. And let, let's I'd like to start, Andy, with the offensive line. I know every year we keep saying it's improved, it's improved, this is the year. Well, tell me, four games in, is this the year? So I think last year's offensive line set the bar pretty high, Jimmy, right? Like they took a giant step forward. So, and I'm not saying I'm comparing this line to last year's line. I'm saying you have to look at where they are overall as a program. And when it came to the offensive line, it was, could they take another step forward from where they were, from where this group finished a year ago? I'm going to say, I don't know that they've necessarily taken, taken a giant step forward, but they certainly have not done anything to take even half a step or a quarter step backwards, Jimmy. They have been sort of the one group that's been kind of exactly what you thought they might be to a degree. How does that sound? I think the offensive line, for the most part, has been kind of exactly what you thought they could be and what you might have expected them to be. I think Hunter Norzad has been sort of the quiet, hidden gem of this group because A, he's playing really well and B, he's got this group doing a lot of the right little things that an offensive line needs to do in terms of, you know, in-game stuff and making the right calls and seeing the blitzes and, and that kind of stuff. Look, teams are loading up and run blitzing a little bit to stop this Penn State offense and their running game. They, they just are, you know, they're kind of taking some risks. Illinois took a lot of risks. Uh, Iowa played more of a sort of base, but, you know, a little bit of heat here and there. This offensive line has done done exactly what you hope they would do and what you would expect they do. And, I mean, your quarterback's been sacked twice. He gets a little responsibility for that. That's well above average. Yeah, I don't think anyone could be disappointed in what we've seen so far. And I think, Andy, everything and that happens with this team, it's going to be seen through the prism of what will they do against Michigan and Ohio State. I know that's not news. Other people have said it. It's, okay, the offensive line, they've been holding up so far. Will they hold up against Michigan? On the other side of the line, Going into the season, everyone 
that concern about the defensive tackles. And again, until they play Michigan, a lot of people aren't going to be sold on them. But so far, Andy, just by the numbers anyway, only allowing 81 yards a game rushing and only three yards per carry. Has the defensive tackles held up their end of the bargain? 200%. They weren't a concern of mine. I thought the collective group of them was better than any one five-star, 310-pound, you know, you know, monster in the middle. I just felt that. I thought they were all capable at a level that was comparable and that together the four of them would be able to perform at a functional, acceptable, and possibly, you know, very good level as a Big Ten defensive line, interior defensive line as a group. When it comes to the defensive line, I don't think the tackles. Going into the season, I my thing was, my concern with the defensive ends was I wanted to see them finish, right? Like, I, we knew they were talented, we knew they were deep, but I wanted to see them take a step forward and become more of finishers instead of just impacting the pocket. So that is a, that's a concern of mine that I don't think has been answered. I still think overall the group of defensive ends, Jimmy, they're underperforming. And that's only when it comes to finishing, right? I think they're having a little impact. They're still impacting the pocket. I just don't know that they're they're finishing. Look, I think the Iowa game was a step forward. But overall, I still think this group has another level in the tank in terms of, you know, getting home and finishing. So, I mean, through four games, Jimmy, Kaziah Izzard, that's a defensive tackle. He leads Penn State with two sacks. Adis Isaac and Chas Robinson between them combined have 2.5 sacks through four games. Are they bad at defensive end? No. Are they struggling at defensive end? No. Are they playing elite at defensive end? They have talent to be elite. They're not quite there yet. So that's a step that I think the defensive end needs to make. And the only thing I see as, you know, nitpicking, I guess you could say, when it comes to the defensive line. I, you know, I was asked specifically about the defensive tackles, and I agree with you. They've held up well. I think one of the issues with the defensive tackles is they they don't have the superstars that you see at defensive end, at Correct. linebacker, at defensive back. With that said, your commentary on the defensive ends, I don't think I agree, Andy. I think they have affected the game. And sometimes sacks can be a deceptive statistic. I think they are affecting the game. I think we saw it at Iowa just how effective the DNs were. I thought they played an elite game on on Saturday night. And one of the things you also have to look at with statistics, at least for the Iowa game, they the defense was only on the field for 33 plays. Yeah. No one's going to build up their stat sheet when you're only out there for 33 plays. That's like half a game, plus you add in the depth that this defense has where uh, Manny Diaz will rotate players. They get even uh, less shots at doing the job. I think tw- uh, Abdul Carter had the most snaps on defense, and I think it was about 25 or so, so that tells you something. Anyway, uh, the next uh, – Next place, Andy, that we were concerned about when the season started 
was wide receiver. And I think there's still some question marks there. Oh, 100% agree, Jimmy. I I 100% agree. Before the season, we kind of said that we we knew what Keandre Lambert-Smith could do and what he is, and the expectation is he will be that. He has been that. I think he's been outstanding as a wide receiver. I really think he has. He's not a wide receiver one as the pure you know definition of it goes, but I think he's done really well. And you were encouraged, right, early. Trey Wallace, fantastic start, right? Ten catches in two games on, like, what, I think 11 targets. And it was clear there was something cooking between him and, the, and you know, the young quarterback, Drew Aller. But, I mean, he was averaging 10 yards a catch. That's, that's more than enough for what they were looking for. No touchdowns, but clearly he was off to a good start. Missed the Illinois game, played last week against Iowa, but wasn't really part of the offense. Obviously, you know, didn't have a target, I don't think. And and he's coming, he's got an injury, and that's had a that's had an effect on him. And that has sort of had a little bit of effect on the wide receivers. I still think they are by committee. I think they're going to remain by committee. Liam Clifford, Dante Sevis, Malik McClain. You know, they each have a few catches here and there. They've got some ill-time drops as well. But overall, the way I look at the wide receivers, I see the quarterback is playing at an extremely high level. I think he's making the wide receivers better than they might be inherently. But I don't know if they're producing at the same level that he's playing at, even though he's making them better. I'm... Yes, I have some concerns there too, Andy. I do believe that Trey Wallace is the difference right now. I think he has, as you pointed out, his first couple games, he was that viable number two receiver. And again, the way this always works, everybody else was down a notch in the pecking order. With him out, everybody has to move up a notch. And they have not shown that yet. I think they'll be a much better group when Trey Wallace is 100% healthy. It'll be interesting to see because he did get in last week. I would assume he would be capable of playing against Northwestern, but right. I'll be curious to see if they how much they use him or if they say, you know what, we got to buy the following week. Maybe we'll just hold him out and give him the extra week to get ready. Um Andy, the other place, special teams coming into the season was a concern. Are you still concerned about it? Yeah, I mean, they're barely averaging 40 punt, forty yards a punt, Jimmy, barely. Barely averaging 40 yards a punt. Um, I don't think their kicking game is at the next level like the rest of the football team. I'm not saying the special teams – are not any good. I'm saying that they're kicking. I mean, when you're averaging barely 40 yards a punt, that's not good in today. That's not good by today's standards. It's just not. It's well below average. They they had some kicking woes against West Virginia. They had a plan A. Plan A, you know, sort of fell apart. 
They immediately went to plan B and they've stuck with plan B. You know, I don't, I think the kickoff game is really good, but I don't think the kicking game, like if they had to make a 47 yard field goal to beat Michigan, I'd say that's a 55 45 and the 55 45 is the miss. So, so I think that's where you're at. I just think they're going to have to deal with a mediocre to average kicking game and use the rest of their talent to cover it up. I I agree with you. I'm not going to have a lot of confidence if they're lining up for a long field goal to, to win a game, whether it's Michigan, Ohio State, or anybody else. Andy, that is going to have to be it for quarter number one. Quarter number two, we'll do our Northwestern preview with Andy. And, of course, we'll get his prediction and his bold prediction. Hey, Penn State fans, here is your chance to take something off your bucket list. That's right, Go PSU RV is offering a full range of RV setups ready for a weekend of great tailgating at their Lion's Den, which is the closest single-game RV overnight lot to Beaver Stadium. You can arrive anytime Friday afternoon. Stay until Sunday morning, avoiding all that traffic. Don't miss this unique opportunity. Go online to gopsurv.com and reserve your RV today. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to RevelXP.com for more info. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number two. I'm Jim. He's Andy. Andy, it's time to look at Northwestern. Tell you what, going into the season, Andy, uh, Northwestern, they were an absolute mess with everything they went through until Michigan State came about and said, hold my beer. <laughs> North, <laughs> Northwestern was the disaster, right? They they were the dumpster fire. And, you know, Michigan State just couldn't handle that. They said, watch us, okay? But anyway, 
Northwestern, I think, was right where everyone expected. And going through three quarters last week against Minnesota, they were down 31-10. Lo and behold, they make this great comeback. They tie the game up at 31 in the last 10 seconds of the game. Goes into overtime. They sneak out a win against Minnesota. They have to feel pretty good about themselves. So now Penn State comes into town off a huge Iowa win. Is, is there any chance of a letdown for this Penn State team? It's one of the on-the-road noon games that we hear about that always seems to take a little while for the team get to get into gear. I'm not saying Penn State's going to lose, Andy, but I'm saying is there a chance of a letdown? Yeah, so it kind of is like what does a letdown look like, right? You know, you said it, Jimmy. Will they lose this game? No. Oh, my gosh. It, it would be harder to lose this game than it will be to win the game from a Penn State perspective, right? They really they really have to shoot themselves in the foot, and they have to face punch themselves, and they have to kick themselves in the gut, all three of them, multiple times, over and over and over. So, dude, can this game be a letdown? I don't know. Th- expectations, what are their expectations, right? Can they meet the expectations? What are the expectations inside the room? I still think Penn State in this matchup is playing a less is more offensively, right? I I really think they will. Why show your hand anymore if you don't have to show your hand? If you can do it with with sort of your base stuff, why, why try anything else? Why try and do something different? Why and try why why try and run away from this team by hitting a ton of explosive plays? In other words, more of the offensively more of the same offensively works, and it should be and will be enough to get the job done. That's so it might not be like the open book play calling and the you know sort of hair on fire offense. I, I don't think you're gonna see that. I think you're gonna stick with a little less is a little more and just let them grind and be, and do what they do. I think that's, that is an expectation met when it comes to, you know, how Penn state's going to operate offensively. Andy, I'm not sure. And these are degrees here, a little bit of context. I I don't think they're going to show anything fancy or new. But I wouldn't be surprised if they start if they do take some shots down the field, partially because they can. And how will Northwestern play them on defense? I think both Illinois and Iowa played a game that where they said, you know what, we are not going to let you beat us over the top. You're going to have to march the f- ball down the field. Your your young starting quarterback has to be patient has to be willing to go to the underneath passes. We don't think he's capable of doing it. Well, and he showed he would. My question is, how will Northwestern play their defense? If the opportunity is there for a big play, I I think they're going to go for it. However, you know, I I don't think they're going to force it. But if it's there, don't you have to take it? Well, I think, yeah, I think they take what you give you, Jimmy. But remember, you know, outside the taking Delaware out of the equation because it's, you know, an FCS team. This will be the this will be the least strong defense that Penn State 
has played. Illinois has a better defense. Iowa has a better defense than Northwestern. This is a bad defense, Jimmy. This is a bad defense. So if those teams were sort of like, we're going to be aggressive against the run and not let you sort of have your way with us beyond 10, 15 yards, uh, I, I would expect a lot more of the same and maybe even more of an umbrella from Northwestern because they're bad against the run, Jimmy. You can't fix that by run blitzing. You're only going to get burned on the back end. So I I, I would expect more of the same. I'll be honest with you, Jimmy. Can, should, can you take a shot? Uh, give it a lash. But you remember, we talked about not forcing it, right? Don't We don't want to see deep shots that are forced. I haven't seen a throw from Drew Aller that's forced this year. I haven't like, okay, he forced that one up there. That one was like play called, force it up. They're not doing that with this young lad. So I just think you're going to see a lot more of the same. And I, I fully expect Northwestern to try and do its best to keep them in front of them. And that's, that's easier said than done. I don't know if the Northwestern has the people to do that. And as you pointed out, they're not good against the run. You know, Penn State could, you know. Well, and you've got two very good running backs on the Penn State side. I think this might be a chance for the running backs to to pad their stats a little bit, Andy. Let's get back to Northwestern, though. I think we agreed on the defensive side of the ball. They may not be great. On offense, what we saw from Northwestern, was a quarterback that had a big game against Minnesota. He had a receiver, I think, caught for over 200 yards worth of passes. And with Iowa and Illinois, you didn't have teams that were going to try to light it up throwing the ball. Is this the biggest test so far as far as a passing game for the opponent? What's your thoughts on that from Northwestern? Jimmy, uh, this isn't you. This would be a, a perspective thing. Jimmy, that was lightning in a bottle. That is not uh, sustainable in terms of what Northwestern, that quarterback and wide receiver, what they have shown. That was simply lightning in a bottle. And keep in mind, Penn State's defense is not the Minnesota Golden Gophers defense. They are going to be facing an overall different beast. But, I mean, the fact that Northwestern is 2-2, two and two, with all they went through, that deserves your respect and attention immediately, right? Everything they went through in the offseason until Michigan State said, here, hold my beer. At, at two and two right now, they are exceeding expectations exponentially. And inside their walls and inside their program, they're like, hey, we're playing a lot better than we were expected. We, we expect are expected to play. And we're getting results at the same time. We're a 500 football team. They're going to believe that they're going to even play better this week and put their best football out there on the field. That's something that's going to need to, you know, that needs to be respected by Penn State. But their offense, Jimmy, is not, um, it is not built inherently to challenge Penn State's offense. I mean, if you say the quarterback and the wide receiver, and they're both okay, and that they're gonna they're gonna challenge Penn State's secondary, that's I would argue that's the strength of Penn State's defense. Yeah, attack their secondary. Please go good. Get you some. Have a go. I'd like to see that. 
I want to see that play out. Okay, Andy. I think we both agree that Penn State, there's not a threat to lose this game. So it becomes, all right, what do you want to see from Penn State itself? What are the areas that they could improve on? What do you want to see from Penn State? I I I want to I'd like to see Trey Wallace back in the, back in the mix and getting some targets. Health matters, right? I think he's a sort of very important part of this offense that by the way is averaging 40 points a game right now. You know, sort of finding that next gear, next level. I think he's integral part of that. Look, I love the tight ends. I said the tight ends could be the hidden key to this offense all along. I still think they are. But I think Trey Wallace is that wide receiver that could be really important. Him back in the mix, you know, close to healthy and getting some targets. Um, the other thing I want to see, they have the, you know, Northwestern is like the number one, 100 ranked, you know, offense, the defense in the country. And they have one of the worst run defenses in the country. And, and they're last in the Big Ten in that, right? So they haven't faced a quarterback and a defense at this level. And that's was always going to show. So I want to see sort of their bad defensively against the run, make sure that that is so. I would like to see that. Just make sure that that is true to form. Those are a couple things I'd really like to see out of Penn State this week. And Andy, I'm one of those who hasn't been concerned about not getting those big plays. It's they chose to win a different way, which is fine. I'd still like to see now against a team like Northwestern. Yeah, let's see a couple of those big runs. Let's see a couple of big passes. All right, Andy, I left you a couple minutes. Need your prediction and your bold prediction. Okay, so I I'm with I want to see the these two running backs tag team this defense. I want to see some pop runs. I'm not talking about explosive 60 and 70 yard runs. I want to see some some pop runs combined with the sort of slam, the effective, efficient slam running, they've been executing inside the tackles all season, right? Um, they, they've they each been very good at that all year long. I'd like to see the scoreboard reflect what the disparity on the field says this game is. I'd like to see Penn State make that so. Look, I'll give you a couple things, and I'll give you my prediction. The opposing, the opposition has been in Penn State's red zone four times this year against this defense inside the 20 four times all year. And on the flip side, Penn state's only allowed two sacks all season. Those are scary numbers when it comes to playing a Northwestern team that is not on top of its game and doesn't have a lot of talent. They are this all Northwestern offense will face the number one ranked defense in the country. I think Penn state says it on the scoreboard and makes it so my prediction is Penn State 45, Northwestern 7. And my bowl prediction is that the Nittany Lions defense, which has been producing turnovers on a consistent level, gets one in the end zone and scores a touchdown. Very good, Andy. I'll tell you what, we're very close on our predictions. I wrote down 42-7 to 7 as my prediction. I just think there's just way, way too big a talent disparity between these two teams. I think Penn State's deep enough. I don't think you'll see starters getting complacent because they're they're competing themselves for playing time also. 
I think it's a big Nittany Lion win. All right, Andy, that's it for quarter two. Stick around quarter three. We've got your questions, and we're going to ask Andy. Stay tuned. Hey, Penn State fans, here is your chance to take something off your bucket list. That's right, Go PSU RV is offering a full range of RV setups ready for a weekend of great tailgating at their Lion's Den, which is the closest single-game RV overnight lot to Beaver Stadium. You can arrive anytime Friday afternoon. Stay until Sunday morning, avoiding all that traffic. Don't miss this unique opportunity. Go online to gopsurv.com and reserve your RV today. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new Coffee Barbecue Dry Rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to RevelXP.com for more info. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number three. You know what that means. It's time for your questions. For Andy, we call it Ask Andy. Fits Andy, right? And at the end of the segment, Andy will pick out the best question. The best questioner will win the 409tailgateclub.com package. 409tailgateclub.com, that's where you have your great barbecue sauces, barbecue rubs, and even the Bloody Mary mix. Try them all. They are fantastic. And Andy, we got to let our listeners know, if you want to ask a question, we love, especially when we get new folks asking questions. We got a lot of new questioners today, by the way. Just download our app, Keystone Sports, wherever you get your apps from. That's Keystone Sports. You'll see the Ask Andy and Ask T. Frank button. Push the button, and you'll be on your way. Ready to roll, Andy? Give me some questions, Jimmy. Let's All right. Go. Let's do it. Charlie from Gettysburg, short and simple. Andy, can you recall a better defensive effort than what we saw last Saturday? No. I I mean, I've been, I mean, I'm old, and I kind of watched Penn State a little bit before 1990, but I'd say, you know, that's the best I've seen 
a defense since 1990. I mean, I didn't even realize I was so enamored. I didn't realize they went more than two court, two and a half quarters without even a first down. And at one point, I think they had five three and outs in a row. And it was, I mean, that quarter, uh, McNamara had, you know, like, oh my God eyes by the middle, middle to late first quarter. You know, it was, I, I've never seen anything like that in terms of complete and total, utter domination. Like, it was almost like men against boys. I, I That's mean to say that to a degree, but that's, it looked like the varsity against JV at a high school scrimmage. It, I'm with you, Andy. It, it was such a total mismatch. And as I jokingly said before, yes, they had the five straight three and outs, and they decided to break that string by fumbling on first down. And that was their only way to stop that streak. I go back further with Penn State, and I, I'll go back to there were the days of, you know, Matt Millen and Bruce Clark together. And if you go back even further, the Smear and Oncots and Mike Reed, it was a different game back then. It was a different game. But I don't know if I've seen such domination as what we saw this past week. You described right. it well. And Andy, pick out your favorite statistic. Number of plays, I think, was like 97 to 33. Absolutely ridiculous. The second and third quarter, uh, Iowa ran 13 plays for minus minus 12 yards. Those numbers are ridiculous. And this wasn't an FCS team. This wasn't like a Delaware. This This was a top 25 ranked. Yes, it was a top 25 Big Ten team. Again, we know Iowa's offenses, they're offensively challenged, to say the least. But still, to to have a game like this, nobody, nobody could have expected this, Andy. Okay, let's go to Walter in State College. He says, why do you think the running backs aren't getting their explosive runs? Is it the running backs themselves, the offensive line? Is it blocking downfield by the wide receivers? And is there any cause for concern there? So I don't think there's quote unquote cause for concern. No, I'll answer that question first. I do not think so. I think it's a little bit of a combination. I am not putting anything on the offensive line. I don't not, I do not see consistent, inconsistent or poor run blocking. I just don't see it. Um, I do think the wide receivers are not fulfilling their obligations on a consistent basis when it comes to, you know, securing the outside uh, potential tacklers. I don't think the wide receivers are blocking that well on a consistent basis in the run game like they should, and mostly saying it downfield. And the other thing I'll say, um, Walter, is – they're close, right? I, I, there's been like six, eight, maybe even 10 times, whereas you're, you've watched over the course of these four games and you're just kind of sitting there watching like, oh, oh, that was close. Oh, man, he almost got away, right? Like they're close, right? You can see it. They're, they're, there was a, a stretch a little bit in the Illinois game where sort of Nick Singleton was a little bit frustrated and you, he was bouncing instead of, you know, continuing to hit that hole, hit that hole, hit that hole. 
that that's never a problem for Catron Allen, by the way. That guy slams his nose into a hole every single time. Nick Singleton didn't do it the entire game. It was just a short spell, and you could tell he was a little frustrated. He wants to get outside. Both of them want to break one. They're close. They're, they're not collectively forcing it. You can't make that happen. You have to let it happen. It's a very fine line on the running back with patience. You can't make it happen. You have to let it happen, and then you will be gone. So I think they've sort of will f- maybe find one of those this week. And I'm talking a pop run, even a 23-yarder. Get one. They're close. Man, they've been close. At least six to eight times I've been like, ah, man, he was so close. So I don't think it's a big cause for concern. And I I do think the wide receivers are not contributing at the level that either Yursich or Franklin want. I agree with you, Andy. I'm not concerned about it. And I also think you had a little bit of this is how Iowa plays. Illinois played that way, not allowing the big play, either running or passing the ball. And Penn State's offense adapted. And the other part to this, when you talk about these explosive plays, it's not like you get five or ten of them a game. You get one or two. So when you're talking about that small, you can go through – a four-game span and not get one. And it's a little bit also luck of the draw that it just didn't happen for you. I'm with you, though. I think we're going to see one soon. The other thing I'll say about the two of the opponents so far, and and I don't think West Virginia was bad. I will say this. The two Big Ten opponents, Iowa and Illinois, both those defenses, they tackled extremely well, Jimmy. If you went back and watched those games and just watched them and how they played, both those teams tackled really, really well. They're both sort of defensive teams. So that's, you know, that's not a surprise. So I just think that's another factor that the two Big Ten teams they've placed, played so far tackle really well. That will not be the case this week. I'm just nope. saying that out loud. All right, let's go to Frank in Port Matilda who says, seeing Caden Saunders feel that punt at the five-yard line, I wondered, Whatever happened to not fielding a punt inside your own 10-yard line? Yeah, that's a really that's a really good question, Frank, because sometimes when I'm watching college football in the NFL, I think the same thing, right? Like, I'm like, why are you catching that? I think it's an analytics thing. It's clearly a coached, taught, you know, sort of thing. I I, I just they don't want punts hitting the ground, right? Unless it's short. The, I know one thing today in, in today's game with the way the punters, you know, the way it's evolved and how they're kicking the ball and how far and how high and sort of the angles that they're using now, it's a very, it's much more of a skill and an art than it was, say, 15, 20 years ago where it was just hit, hit it as far as you can. That's not it. So I do know that one of the things the analytics tells you, don't let the ball hit the ground, right? Don't let the ball hit the ground. But I don't have an answer for you, sir, because I sometimes watch games and go like, why in the heck are you catching that? And I don't know what the answer is, but I do know that the ball not hitting the ground is a big deal. I think also you hit it, Andy, that the punters are changing I think when, you know, that pooch punt, the way they're punting the ball, it, it'll hit and not 
roll forward like it used to. I think I think they should just change that 10-yard line, maybe make it the 8 or the 7 again. If you plant yourself at the 8-yard line and you have to take a step backwards to catch the ball, don't, okay? And I think in Caden Saunders' case where it was back at the 5. But to your point, you know, especially those rugby-style kickers, where they get that forward bounce, if you've got a punt that's going to hit initially like at the 20-yard line, that's got that forward rotation, that punt hitting on the 20 could end up going out of bounds on the 5. I do know one other thing for the punt returner, Jimmy, where you put your heels today, and that is where they tell you to go. Where Where you put your heels is where you catch the ball. In other words, if they put you at the 10, you don't go inside the 10 and catch the ball. Maybe he was set up at the five and that was his line. If it goes inside the five, don't catch the ball. If it's in front of you or coming to you where your heels are, catch the ball. You should not have to go back and get the no. ball. That's right. that's always a bad side. Okay, uh, Paul from Berwyn. Andy, did you see any of the Ohio State-Notre Dame game? What did you think of the Buckeyes and the, did that – change your opinion of them at all yes i did watch a good bit of the ohio state buckeyes and the notre dame fighting irish i it it changed my opinion of the quarterback a little bit because i think he now has the confidence to be a clutch quarterback the last drive the desperation you know down and distance scenarios that he was in two or three times he delivered that's hard Jimmy, that's next level stuff. So that was my one takeaway is the quarterback who has been a little bit, I'll say wonky in terms of, you know, his production and how he's looked and it's just looked glitchy and not very smooth and good. I think he's picked up. He, he definitely should pick up some confidence from that type of execution in those kind of spots. And Notre Dame was throwing the kitchen sink at him. The other takeaway I had is Ohio state soft. They are not a physical football team. They're just, they're not. They want to be on the edges. They don't want to play, you know, they don't want to grind. They're not good at grinding. They can't grind. Notre Dame forced them to grind. Ohio State's got more talent. Notre Dame forced them to play their football game. They just couldn't finish. That's the only reason Ohio State won that football game. So I took away that sort of collectively and overall, Notre Dame is uh, Iowa. Uh, excuse me. Ohio State is not a physical football team. A little soft. All right. You agree with Lou Holtz? Then the next thing you'll hear is from Ryan Day. Andy, real quick, we need a winner. Walter in State College about the running backs. Good job, Walter. It is. That is it for Andrew today. Coming up, we've got Sean Gold. He's going to talk to you about the winners for this coming weekend. Stay tuned for that. Hey, Penn State fans, here is your chance to take something off your bucket list. That's right, Go PSU RV is offering a full range of RV setups ready for a weekend of great tailgating at their Lion's Den, which is the closest single-game RV overnight lot to Beaver Stadium. You can arrive anytime Friday afternoon. Stay until Sunday morning, avoiding all that traffic. Don't miss this unique opportunity. Go online to gopsurv.com and reserve your RV today. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new Coffee Barbecue Dry Rub Set. 
Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to RevelXP.com for more info. We headed to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back into the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with Sean Gold. For more of Sean's take, this is where Sean takes a look at the upcoming college football schedule for this weekend. And he gives us the winners. Although, Sean, last week, not a good week, was it? No, I got I got my heart broken by a couple of these teams. Uh, so I'm, you know, I was I wasn't too happy with some of these games. So we're looking to have a bounce back week now. I hope so. The good news is overall still a winning record, eight, six, and one. And that I, I thought the heartbreaker for you was the Ohio State Notre Dame game where you had Notre Dame and Ohio State literally scores the touchdown in the last second and chooses to kick the extra point and and you end up with a push instead of a win. You know, I was ready to get my pads back on and go play some defense on that final drive because all we needed was one play, one play to stop them and the clock runs out or it's a turnover on downs or something. So that it was a frustrating watch right there. And you know what, Sean? You talk about, you joke about getting the pads on and back on the field. Considering the fact that Notre Dame only had 10 players on the field, you could have been eligible to go out there and be the 11th man. <laughs> and, you know, I've never played defensive line, but they were missing their left end, which is right where that ball went on that touchdown run. So maybe... Maybe just me being there would have made a difference. <laughs> just throw your body in front of one of those offensive linemen. All right, enough of the past. Again, overall, you're 8-6-1. and one. That's what counts. Let's see how we do uh, this week. And, I, well, I will make one last reference to last week. And last week, I gave you one I told you so, and I'm not even sure which game it was for. And I mentioned that I'm not the I told you so kind of guy. I'm really not. However, I'll give you one more this week. You got off of our Penn State Nittany Lions. 
you thought Iowa would cover that, uh, what was it, 14.5-point spread. I questioned you on that. I just want to tell you, if it makes you feel any better, I had my money on the Nittany Lions. Well, you know, I I was concerned I wasn't going to be invited back after saying that. So I'm just happy to be here this week. And, you know, we'll see if I'm back on the Nittany Lion train this week or not. Well, let, let's start. Let's start there. It's Penn State is at Northwestern and the spread has been climbing early in the week. I saw twenty five and a half points somewhere. Then I saw twenty six and a half points, which I put down for my notes. And then I checked it one last time before we got on the air here, and it's now up to 27 points. That is a lot of points there, Sean. It is a lot of points, and that makes this a very hard prediction. But the one thing I do like is that Iowa, even though they're not that great this year, I think they are still a better team than Northwestern. And that's saying something here. So, Penn State's defense has been absolutely phenomenal. But what I'm looking for this week is the offense to be better. The conditions weren't great against Iowa, and the offense still produced, but it wasn't a huge yards per play type of game. It was long drives down the field. This week, I expect Penn State to open up the playbook a little bit more, have some more big explosive plays, which really, to this date, has been their weakness on offense. The one thing that's concerning me with Penn State is that they're not getting as many of these explosive plays because driving down the field is great, but... In big-time games, you need that 50-yard touchdown to bust a game open against an Ohio State or Michigan type of team. So I think we're going to see Penn State have a little bit more of those explosive plays this week. And for that reason, I'm back on the Nittany Lion train right now. We're going Penn State to get the win and cover the spread. All right. How about that? Perhaps you learned your lesson last week there, Sean. Let's go to another interesting team. They've been getting attention all year. That's the Colorado Buffaloes. And there was no doubt you were on the Colorado train for several weeks here. Last week, that bubble burst against Oregon. Oregon just schooled them. And now Colorado is up against another high-powered offense with USC uh, Colorado is getting, again, the three touchdowns, 21 and a half points in this one. This one, though, is at Colorado. How do you see that one going? I got to say the line is really interesting. On a surface level, when you look at this game, Oregon just beat Colorado by over 30 points, 36 points. Now you go to play USC. Initially, I kind of thought that USC might be favored by 30 points in this game with Caleb Williams and that high-powered offense. But The big difference to me between Oregon and USC is these defenses. Oregon's defensive line absolutely killed Colorado's offense. Shador Sanders had zero time back there to pick apart the defense, which is what he's so good at. And the one promising thing from that game, Shador Sanders did not throw an interception or turn the ball over. So despite the fact that it wasn't a great game, they weren't getting beat off turnovers. And this week, USC's defensive line isn't going to be able to control the game like that. And I do think we'll start to get into more of a high-scoring game I was expecting with the Oregon game, where we do see Colorado not stop USC's offense, but score on USC's defense. USC's defense has been beatable. Their secondary has gotten exposed by some teams that are a lot less skillful than Colorado. So the game's back in Boulder, like you said. Colorado's going to be ready going into this game. The last thing they want is to get embarrassed on national television two weeks in a row. So I'm not saying Colorado's going to win this game, but USC needs to be ready because Colorado's going to want to bounce back right now. And with that, 
I think we will see a little bit more of a shootout type setting and see Colorado cover that 21 and a half point spread. Uh, Colorado is just an absolutely fascinating team. And I'm wondering if after a loss, did the bubble completely burst? Or, as you said, they're back home. They're playing a defense that is vulnerable. So it's going to be really fascinating to see that game. But I do believe this is one of those games where if if USC can cover that 21 and a half points and win big, that's it. The shine is off the Colorado Buffaloes and we'll stop seeing all the attention that we've been seeing, you know, the, this first uh, four weeks of the season. Okay, from there, let's go to a Southeast Conference game. Let's go to LSU at Ole Miss. And this is interesting because each one of those teams has a loss. Ole Miss lost to Alabama last week. They had a lead at halftime, and Alabama took over in the second half, one going away, one by two touchdowns. LSU, they have that early loss to Florida State. Now, LSU was a team when the season started. They were a top-10 team. Some people thought this is a college football playoff team. So now you have both of those teams with one loss. Neither one could afford to lose this game. This is the one where are they a contender or not? And this game is at Ole Miss, and LSU is favored by two and a half points, Sean. Going back to last week, two disappointing performances from both of these programs. As you mentioned, Ole Miss was up against Alabama at halftime and completely fell apart in the second half. All we needed them from our picks was for them to cover in the second half and not lose by more than a touchdown. Well, the second half came, and they didn't show up for that. So that was frustrating there. And then from LSU's perspective, they nearly lost to Arkansas. Slow start to that game almost cost them what you really could say their season because one loss is okay. If they win out, they can still get to the college football playoffs. But nearly losing to Arkansas is definitely a major concern. So this week, what I like to look at is who do I think has a better shot of bouncing back from a poor performance? And I got to say, I think it's LSU. I think they're the better overall team. I think this team is still very, very good. And I think they're going to have a little wake-up call after nearly blowing their season against Arkansas. And I think they come into Ole Miss, get a big-time win, win by more than two and a half points, and kind of revive that energy back into Baton Rouge. I'm, I'm with you. I think this is, again, just one of those situations where – LSU is just playing the better team. And if they both have an incentive for the game, which they both do, I, I think LSU, I think that's a, a good call, a very good call. Let's go now to kind of the ACC. Notre Dame is at Duke. Uh, Notre Dame, we know they are coming off of what has to be a really emotional loss. We talked about it. Ohio State got that last-second win against them at Notre Dame. They are now at Duke. Uh, Notre Dame is a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Duke Duke announced their presence early in the season when they, they clubbed Clemson 28-7, to although I guess the stats in that game, it wasn't quite as dominant as 28-7 makes it sound. What do you think? Can the Irish come back after a tough loss last week? Well, let's start with Duke, and they are having an incredible season. But, like you said, coming off a tough loss, Notre Dame is looking to come in and make a statement. The five-and-a-half point line here means this is supposed to be a pretty even and close game, but 
Me personally, I'll take both Notre Dame's offense and defense over Duke's units. So couple that with the fact that this is a very, very hungry Notre Dame football team right now. And if Notre Dame wins out right now as well, they're going to the college football playoffs. They can overcome that one loss to Ohio State and still get in the playoffs as long as they win out. So I think this week they set the tone for the rest of their season. They have big games coming up too. They play USC this year. That's going to be a huge matchup. This week is a tone-setting week for the Notre Dame team. If they get a big win here, they build that confidence that we're built for this and we can overcome a brutal loss to Ohio State in a game where they know they should have won. So I like Notre Dame to make a big statement here. I like them to win by probably a touchdown or more and show people that one loss to Ohio State is not going to slow us down. We're resetting the tone right now for the rest of the season. So give me Notre Dame here. I think that's a good call. And the fact that, as you said, a close loss to a top 10 team in the last second, boy, if you're competing against other one-loss teams, I think that's a quality loss. Finally, let's get to a surprising Kansas team at Texas. Remember, a few weeks back, Texas had that win against Alabama. Texas is favored by 16 and a half, Sean. Yeah, so the queer thing in this game is we have an exciting Kansas team against the number three ranked team in the country in Texas. Texas is clearly the better team here on both sides of the ball. Kansas is good, but Texas has been great. However, I do have to say, Kansas is going to pull all the tricks out of their bag for this game. I think they're going to come in and give Texas a bit of a wake-up call. I'm not saying Kansas is going to pull off the upset and win this game, but I do think it's going to be closer than people expect, and I'll take Kansas with the points here. Very good. All right, that's the last game. Uh, real quickly, Sean, tell our listeners where they could get more of Sean's take. Yeah, so you can listen to the Sean's Take podcast on all your favorite podcast platforms, Apple Music, Spotify, you name it, we're on it. And then also on social media at Sean's Take on TikTok and Twitter. Make sure you follow us and join the community. Very good, Sean. Fingers crossed for a better week this week. I liked your picks this week. So you get my stamp of approval, if that means anything to anybody. <laughs> I'm not sure it does. Anyway, thank you all for listening to our show. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Hey, Penn State fans, here is your chance to take something off your bucket list. That's right, Go PSU RV is offering a full range of RV setups ready for a weekend of great tailgating at their Lion's Den, which is the closest single-game RV overnight lot to Beaver Stadium. You can arrive anytime Friday afternoon. Stay until Sunday morning, avoiding all that traffic. Don't miss this unique opportunity. Go online to gopsurv.com and reserve your RV today. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new Coffee Barbecue Dry Rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. 
Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to revelxp.com for more info.